If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks for tuning in to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. How's it going? Each week, we will provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. But today, it is now the very first week of 2020. So if you're listening to this, you are on the other side of 2019, and it is January. And Will and I are going to continue on with part two of our discussion of our top 10 films of the year. Hey. Hey. Last week, we discussed films 10 through 6 and gave out a few end-of-the-year awards along the way. Today, we'll be going through films 5 through 1. And joining us once again is talented filmmaker and just all-around good guy, Steve O'Chang. Yo, Happy New Year, guys. Happy Happy New New Year. Year. Thanks for coming back, uh, Steve-O. My pleasure. uh, See, he likes us. See, he likes us. For uh, those of you out there that have any friends that also want to tune in, you can let them know that our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and Spotify. So I want to go ahead and uh, look into our crystal ball at the future of 2020. wanted to ask you both, what movies are you most looking forward to? First, you, Steve-O. Uh, I'm looking forward to In the Heights. Uh, I'm ah. a huge Lin-Manuel fan. Hmm. Uh, loved Hamilton. Black Washington hmm. was dope. I just <laughs> love how he was able to take like political things, political stories and issues and make it feel so much more relevant and fresh. Yeah. And I'm really curious to see um, how he's going to play it up with In the Heights. What does Juanito mean? Suenito. It means little dream. That's it? No story? All right, all right, everybody sit down, sit down. It's a story of a block that was disappearing. Did you watch the trailer for it? I did. It's pretty yeah, good. It looks It's incredible. got those same, like, um, I don't know what you call them, but the, like, the emotional power chords, like, oh, this is going to be emotional. This is going to be good. Yeah, but, it has you know, the same, same kind of chords he has in, yeah. Yeah, that he has in, um, in uh, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, John Chu's directing, John Chu from uh, Crazy Rich yeah. Asians. Exactly, so, exactly. Can't wait to see what he does. He yeah. of Step Up fame, John Chu who's not graduated onto bigger and better things. So I'm really looking forward to that as well, actually. Um, For Christmas, actually, my my, uh, sister got me and my wife tickets to Hamilton in May. So I literally cannot wait. So you love Hamilton? I loved it. I loved it. I sat at the Pantages here in LA. uh, It wasn't with like Lin-Manuel, but even with the backup cast, it was still pretty good. Yeah. And we tried so hard to get tickets to that and like it wasn't possible, but thankfully they're back. How about you, Will? What are you looking forward to in 2020? I am looking forward to Tenet, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. We all believe we've run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat, we can never know. You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Trailer does not really tell you anything, but that it involves time and maybe different dimensions, who knows? But the fact that his title also is a palindrome 
man, it, it just it just looks mm-hmm. awesome. Who knows? I yeah. just yeah. yeah. I have to say I love his mind bending type films, so I'm a huge fan. I, I just want to point out that what my dog pooped in front of Christopher Nolan once. Oh really? What? Yeah. Yeah. And uh it he he did, did he it around backwards? the time when Dunkirk came out. And so <laughs> when I posted on time. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, he did it when uh, Dunkirk came out. And so on Facebook, I posted, uh, I call it Dunkirk. <laughs> Dunkirk. <laughs> nice. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So for me, I'd have to say Top Gun Maverick. Your reputation precedes you. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. Back when I was, I think, six years old, I was in first grade, I watched this movie. I was obsessed with fighter planes, the F-14 Tomcat. We owned the VHS tape. I literally watched it every day. I had the whole script memorized. And it's been, what, 34 years in the making for the sequel? And yeah. it looks amazing. I cannot wait. I, it could be a bad movie, and I'm still going to probably watch it like two or three times in the theaters. But I'm yeah. hoping it's a good one. So um, did you hear about see what the, they do with it. Huh. Did you hear about the controversy of the jacket? No. What's so the they took out Taiwan. Uh-huh. Because in the first film, on the back of Maverick's jacket is a flag of Taiwan. Oh, really? And they replaced it with something that just has geometric shapes. Interesting. So it could play in China. <laughs> it has to play in China. You got to make that overseas <laughs> money, yo. For sure. China. Yeah. China. China is great. the... Yeah, if you could open there, you get like an extra... $25 billion. billion. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. It's going to be great. China's going to love it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. You're going to love it. All right. So we're going to be diving into our top five lists coming up very soon. But I wanted to do a quick summary of our bottom five picks in our top 10. So uh, I'll go ahead and start. My number 10 film was Ford versus Ferrari. Number nine was Booksmart. Number eight was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Seven was Avengers Endgame, and six was Uncut Gems. How about you, Steve-O? Why don't you give us a, a little refresh? Sure. My rundown, uh, number 10 was The Souvenir. Nine was Spider-Man Far From Home. Eight was Us. Seven, Marriage Story. And six, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Great set of picks there. How about yourself, Will? Mine was number 10, The Irishman. Nine, Parasite. Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Seven, Shazam. And six knives out. All right, great picks from all of us. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. Starting with number five, Steve, why don't you start? All right, number five for me was Parasite. Just a recap it's about a working class family who cons their way into uh, working for an elitist class family. I know we've reviewed this film and uh, we spoke about it in 10 through 6, but um, for me, what I loved about it was just this class um, struggle and um, the, the characters and the family as a unit, like that ensemble casting, I thought was phenomenal. And um, just the twists at the end, um, even though for Korean. As in Korean cinema, we're used to, you know, seeing a crazy fourth act. I felt like uh, in Parasite, even though it was crazy and off the walls, uh, it was still 
well within the, the, the realm of the film and, and it worked for me. Hmm. So I, I really loved how he uh, took all these different um, perspectives and classes and threw it together. And I, I just thought it turned out really well. Yeah, yeah. Such I, a good I have film. to agree with I you. Love yes, it. great film. How about you, Will? What was your number five pick? Uh, my number five pick was Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, it's about American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles uh, battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. Coming in. He's coming in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I know you're tired. Come on. Let's make this fast. Go, go, go. He's running a little hot, boys. You okay? Feel the tank! Shelby, you just... Am I on fire? Am I on goddamn fire? No, no you're not on fire. Fill the tank. Fill the tank. I, I put this a little bit higher than where you had yours uh, because I just think director James Mangold... Uh, he just did a phenomenal job with this biopic and it was so much worth the watch even though it didn't like attain many nominations at the Golden Globes and I'm still kind of like kind of flabbergasted about that um, like you said also in the previous podcast like man the chemistry between uh, the Ken Miles his character and his wife the family aspect of it just a great thrill to watch so I loved it yeah and it was right. in that era of like racing where it was still things were still being kind of standardized. You know, there's still yep. a lot of risk. Yeah. You know, racers are still dying dangerous. all the time. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still dangerous today just, too, yeah. but yeah, for sure, they're pushing the the machines to the limits. All right, very very cool. Uh, my number five pick is Knives Out, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson. This is his follow up to Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which was polarizing in some respects um, it was loved by critics but at the same time the response was somewhat divisive amongst fans but I can you know I think it's very plain to see that uh, for this movie it was loved by critics and audience members alike oh let me guess hey stop stop you Drysdale call me Ransom it's my middle name only the help calls me Hugh okay uh, this is Trooper Wagner I'm Lieutenant Elliot just want to ask a few questions. Excuse me. Sir? We're officers of the law? Are you going to run me in? I don't feel like talking. I'm distraught. Hey, Benny, you want to ask this guy some questions? All right, what is this? What's this arrangement? Mr. Drysdale. CSI KFC? <laughs> this film is best described as an Agatha Christie whodunit said in modern times as Daniel Craig's inspector. Benoit Blanc <laughs> investigates a death. Wait, wait, can, within, can you say his name like the yes. way Daniel Craig says it? Benoit Blanc. I don't know how he says it. <laughs> <laughs> but as he investigates a death within an eccentric, wealthy family. This movie really kept me guessing the entire time. We've all seen enough mystery films in our lifetime to the point where we can almost make out what's coming. You can almost spot the red herrings, what's supposed to throw you off, and then what the big reveal is going to be at the end. I thought I knew what was coming in this movie, only to find out that I was completely wrong. 
and mm-hmm. there are so many twists and turns and you're literally halfway through the movie i stopped trying to guess what was coming and just kind of let go and just was along for the ride so and it was definitely a really really fun ride uh, great performances abound, especially Anna de Armas as Marta Cabrera, who serves as the moral compass of the film. But I think the real star here is Ryan Johnson. Uh, he really shows that he is a masterful storyteller, fully capable of pulling the best performances from each of his actors, as well as moving the story along on a perfect path. It's the best film of its kind that I've ever seen in the murder mystery genre, and I think it's going to be a tough one to beat for a very long time. Hmm. All right, so moving on to number four. Will, what is your pick? My number four pick is Us. So a little bit higher than uh, <laughs> Steve-O's uh, placement of it. And yeah, it's so hard to, to not give away you know, a lot of, of what this film is about. We don't have anything here. This is our summer home. Okay. We just got in today. So. Once... Upon a time, there was a girl, and the girl had a shadow. I think Jordan Peele, uh, I would consider him as like the new modern Hitchcock, in a sense. I think he did Mm -hmm. such amazing job telling such this this horror film uh suspense thriller uh with a different dimension like it, it's just a different perspective and holy crap was it creepy i mean we saw it together myron it was just it was creepy but yet poetic and beautiful at the same time especially the ballet scene and i mean i don't like i mean if some of you have not watched it yet obviously go watch it because it, it it just it was so well edited and and the music was also oh my gosh what was I, I got five on it just just everything that he was able to like throw at you and and blow you away with man it, it kept me on my toes oh yeah for sure and definitely freaked me out as well like uh, especially the cinematography too the lighting of it oh man so good so good so good <laughs> all right how about you steve what's your number four pick my number four is Jojo Rabbit by Taika Waititi. Oh, I'm still gonna uh, watch that. Yeah, it's so good. It was so good. It's uh, it's about a little Nazi boy who has Hitler as an imaginary <laughs> friend, and um, he discovers that his mom mom is hiding a Jewish teenage girl in the walls of their house, and so it's great. It plays. It's like a comedy, you know. And the director actually uh, Waititi plays Hitler. Uh, he's actually half Maori, half Jewish. He actually pulls it off I thought he he looked pretty convincing with the mustache and the hair and um, just the the comical way that he portrayed Adolf Hitler poor Jojo what's wrong little man hi Adolf want to tell me about that rabbit incident what was all that about they wanted me to kill it I'm sorry I couldn't don't worry about it I couldn't care less but now they call me a scared rabbit. Let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's gonna get us all killed. I'll let you in on a little secret. The rabbit is no coward. The humble little bunny faces a dangerous world every day, hunting carrots for his family, for his country. My empire will be full of all animals. 
Uh, at first, I was I wasn't sure if I was gonna like that because I thought, oh, it's kind of insensitive. But actually, it really worked, you know, because he plays on the absurdism. I think it's like an absurdist comedy, right? Right. right. And uh, there's there's still a bit of action in there, and it's really absurd. It's it takes place in Berlin as the war winds down, and Scarlett Johansson plays the mother. And to be quite honest, I thought she um, had a stronger performance in this film than in Marriage Story, mainly because I feel like in Marriage Story she's struggling with Bombax words. Versus in Jojo Rabbit, the way that YTT is directing her, it's 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 a lot of uh, mannerisms and like it. She just felt more um, whole. She's not like expositorily saying things out loud. Mm. Uh, Hughes using her expressions and you know edits, and it, it was really interesting to see the difference of the difference different ways that these directors were using utilizing Scarlett Johansson. So when you read that synopsis and it's like, let's say you haven't seen the, the trailer and you don't know the tone of the movie. If someone, if, if you just read that, I'll be like, oh boy, this is going to be like career suicide for somebody. They're making a Hitler movie and he's a best friend of a boy whose mom is like, what? But then you watch the trailer, you're like, oh, I kind of get it. <laughs> you know, growing up with all these uh, history classes and um, with um, about, you know, Nazi Germany, uh, the Hitler Youth, it always pops up, you know, and it feels like an abstract term. Maybe you see some photographs of kids in Nazi uniforms, but the way that YTT like showed fanaticism in this absurdist, like kids get um, get it and, and cling on to it. And uh, it, it was just really hilarious the way that he he pulled it off. And also some of the casting he did with the kids, uh, the child actors were all phenomenal. Uh, there's this other kid, like a chunky kid with glasses, and he's really timid, but like really wise. And he was hilarious. I think he stole the show every time he popped up. And it's just like this absurdist um, comedies from like the 30s and whatnot, and where like they'll hand a kid a bazooka and like uh, point to the U.S. soldiers and say, "Okay, now go, go attack, go fight." And so it's like seven year old, like he could barely hold up the rocket launcher, you know, <laughs> things like that. I think it's I really absurd. Of, it's great. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the trailer. This movie. I think I love yeah. the part in the trailer where you know they're throwing knives at each other, something like that. Yeah, and then yeah. one throws it in the lake, and the kid just <laughs> yeah, it bounces off a tree, hits <laughs> him on the leg, <laughs> freaking dies. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. to watch it. Um, yeah, my number four pick is Parasite, um, nice. which is on. Uh, from what I've seen, is on all of our lists. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, I think uh, both of you have already uh, given a summary as to what it's about. So I won't get any more into the plot than that. But I will say why I love the film. Uh, Pong Juno has always been a master at switching between tones and genres mid-movie. And uh, most of the times, if, if a lesser skilled director were to do that, it would, I think, take us out of the movie. But he does it quite, quite a bit here. And he does it in all his films. Um, you know, in Parasite, at one moment you're laughing. The next, you're looking away from the camera. Uh, this movie does an amazing job at telling a story about class and wealth, but it isn't so heavy handed as to tell you what you should be thinking and how you should be uh, feeling or, and responding. It kind of lets you make your own uh, decisions and draw your own conclusions, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. The movie really works on multiple levels. It's a cautionary tale. It's a commentary on class disparity. But it's also just a really beautiful artistic film. And it's that last element, which I feel like I haven't really fully grasped. So I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, I think it comes out on iTunes in a couple of weeks. So I'll definitely be checking that out. For oh, yeah. I can't viewing. wait to see it again either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. All right. So we're going to take a step back from our uh, top 10 list once again to hand out a, another set of awards here. Uh, this one is for Comeback of the Year. So 
Um, I think I'm going to go first on this one. My uh, comeback of the year goes to Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers. Um, you know, I, this is a movie which I honestly didn't want to like. The trailer made the movie look not so good. The cast didn't make me want to go watch it. But, uh, you know, I heard good things about it. And after watching the movie, I was shocked. We're going to use Dragon's Lawyer, so you and me and Annabelle should probably lawyer up. Do we know any lawyers from the club? That guy Jeremy or maybe Anton? I took the deal. You did? Have I taught you fucking nothing? You fucking idiot! What the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you do that? I'm sorry. We were fucking hurricanes, weren't we? <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is on fire in this film. You mm. can't take your eyes off her. Wow. Uh, yeah. She broke onto the scene 20 years ago and out of sight. And she was amazing in that film. And honestly, like after numerous made in Manhattan's Geely's and wedding planners, <laughs> I had to admit, I wasn't so sure if we would see another great performance from her again. I was wrong. Uh, she plays Ramona, a flawed street smart stripper that gets in over her head. She's just oozing with charisma Believe me, like I said, I didn't want to like this movie, but I really did enjoy it. Um, it was really, really good. It largely works, and most of that has to do with her performance. So Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers is my choice for comeback of the year. I feel like that actually deserves an Owen Wilson wow. Like, wow. 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 <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. The movie isn't perfect. But it's it's a good movie, and I think you you'll both appreciate it. Wow, yeah, J Lo! Nice. Wow, hey, wow, J Lo! You're like you're like back. It's like so cool. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that's really bad. <laughs> oh man, I think we discussed already. Like you and I, like Ray Liotta in Marriage Story. Yeah. His genius was an intangible asset built during the marriage. Nora, I like how you refer to Charlie's theater as a ramshackle downtown dump when you're arguing custody. But when you want more money, he's a big, rich, genius Broadway director. You can't have it both ways. Of all the films I've watched and, and trying to really think about, okay, who, like, come back. I mean, I'm looking at everyone, it's like, okay, all their reputation and like in their in their uh, resume like they're it's still going strong but it's like wow when is the last time i saw really ray liotta in, in something yeah. you know so yeah they're the shantix commercials <laughs> true that, <laughs> and that's why seeing him on the screen for the first time it was kind of like surprising i think the first time you see him like uh uh it cuts to him where he walks into the room and and he you know he's meeting adam driver for the first time and it's at the, f the first time you see him, like, oh, yeah, it's Ray Liotta. Where's he been? You know, I thought that was just great casting. And then he just stole the show, in my opinion. He was like uh, him and Laura Dern. Like, that's, that courtroom scene just blew me away. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It was so good. All right. So, Steve <laughs> and Will, both of your picks are Ray Liotta in Marriage Story. Great what do you think? Yeah. Does performance he, there. Does he, does he deserve an Owen Wilson wow? Or is he like, ah, oh, you know, I mean, he's always been a great actor anyways. Uh, he deserves... Uh, what's higher than a wow? Because I think that's... Like Ray Liotta's Ray Liotta, and so you True. expect a lot out of him. But I think it's just the context of the character that he plays. He's True. not some like you know. He's not narc. He's not uh, in Goodfellas. He's he's just a a divorce lawyer. 
And so I think that's what really uh, worked for me was, I think I said it before, the violence of Ray Liotta in a, in a courtroom as a lawyer. I thought it worked really well. <laughs> maybe, maybe Keanu Reeves, whoa. Sure. Whoa. Which Keanu Reeves? Bill and Ted's or <laughs> Matrix? Which whoa? <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of nuance to his performances. I think it's the same whoa. <laughs> Whoa, and whoa. <laughs> whoa, and whoa. Yeah, I think one is more surfer bro y than the yeah. other. True. Oh, got it, he got deserves it. both. I will just both. I'll give okay. him that. I'll give him both. Well, okay, we'll move on to number three. And I actually want to start with you, Myron. What is your number three? My number three film is The Farewell. It's a beautiful, funny, um, bittersweet film directed by newcomer Lulu Wang. It's about a Chinese family that discovers their grandmother has only a short time to live. So they keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding theme together before she dies. What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. Your nan is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. We have to go to China. Wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her. He's my only cousin. Don't you think I should be there? You can't hide your emotions. If you go, then we'll find out right away. Aquafina is really good here. In every scene, we see her bear the burden of the secret that she's keeping. And she's also a fish out of water when she goes back to China. She looks like everyone, um, but she it doesn't think like everyone. She's very much an American. Um, the scenes between her and her grandmother are very touching, and they're also very humorous. And the grandmother is, is hilarious in this film. She's just full of life, and I really, really loved her in this movie. Um, I think this film really makes a statement about Asian culture, namely the idea that by keeping up appearances, you might actually make yourself better off in the process. And at the same time, I think non-Asians can also see a little bit of their crazy families in the movie as well. There are a lot of really unique shots here. And I think it's one of those things where um, it's a fresh voice and a fresh eye. It almost seemed like she was willing to try new things, new angles, new uh, ways of framing up a shot. And I thought that was very, very cool. There's like an example of, of a unique shot here is the cemetery scene when Aquafina mm -hmm. and her family go to visit her deceased grandfather. And they look over and there's like a group of, uh, there's a Chinese family that's like mourning. Uh, the loss of a loved one and it, it's the cries are so forced that it's like fake and instead of coming off as sad it actually comes off as really funny so it's framed mm -hmm. in, a, in a very interesting way um, so I really really loved Aquafina really really loved the voice of the director and the movie was just great overall so I will hand the baton off to you Will what is your number three pick my number three pick is Peanut Butter Falcon directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz uh, this film was such an emotional roller coaster in the best possible way. Uh, simple synopsis about a man named Zach who has Down syndrome, runs away from his care home to make his dreams of becoming a wrestler come true. Look, I could have you arrested for kidnapping. Okay? Oh, you gonna have me arrested? How, how do you figure? You can't have me arrested. He's a runaway. Kid can never run away. Come on, genius. You said GW, didn't you? I'm sure I could find some reason to arrest you. And let me ask you, what do you want from him? Sell him to you? No, no. What do you want for his life? His future. Why are you at? You don't you know, know about anything the about thing? him. Yes, of course I know about the. All right, wrestling. so I know some about him, don't I? So uh, you're a little late to party. This is what's going on. I made a promise to him to get him that wrestling school in Aiden. 
Oh. You understand? Mm -hmm. I gave my word. I ain't going back down on my word. Now, you seem like a nice person. You care for him and all. You came all the way out here. Maybe it's because you like me. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I'm all for your favor. You can get on that raft with us and you can ride down there if you want. Uh, no, we're not going to hop on your yeah, little raft okay. and cruise around down the river. It's hot. You're confused. I'm not asking you. Hey, Eleanor. Oh, 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 oh. I want to see a saltwater redneck. And I don't want to go home. For uh, Tyler Nielsen's... Uh, First, this is his first directorial like directorial debut at, for his first feature, The Peanut Butter Falcon. Man, strong start, amazing, amazing start to his career. Um, I loved it. I loved it a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. And Florida's a fertile ground for those kind of stories because it's this, it's an interesting place. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I've yeah. never been. So, yeah, um, I went to film school there, and uh, yeah, the boonies, the the swamp areas, it's. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there's there's a lot of um, like visuals and communities that you don't really see in the other parts of America. What city was your uh, film school in? Steve? Uh, Tallahassee, Florida. I went okay. there with Barry Jenkins and Adele Romanski. There's a bunch of folks that uh, came out of that. Oh, Mike G, Mike Juliakis. The DP for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a Very lot nice. of folks that came out of that the two year period I was there. And of course, that, Steve uh, Chang, the great Steve Chang. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not. I don't have a Wikipedia page yet, so that's when you know you're not anything. So <laughs> Wikipedia's we, overrated. We can write one for you. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> All right, Steve. What's your number three pick? My number three pick is Booksmart. Um, I really yes, loved. Yes, it. I know yes. that it's been on your list too. Uh, I saw it kind of like uh, an apocalypse now type of journey through the murky river of modern adolescence with the search for the big party as earnest as the search for Colonel Kurtz. How's it going? Did you find Ryan? Did you guys go in the pool? What's going on? Molly, things are going so well over here, like really, really, really well. I'm being so mean to him, but it's working. We talked about Harry Mom. Potter. He knows I'm a Slytherin. He, I, I think he seems we should like go it. home. Wait, what? No, just just dry off. No, I think I think we need to leave. Come on. No, let's are go. you nuts? No, he Nick is fully no. he's fully flirting with me. This actually might happen. Listen to me. This no, actually might no, happen. No, Molly, please, I'm asking you. Let's just go. Hey, okay? just go find Ryan. It'll be great. Malala. Amy, no. Are you kidding? No, I'm I've done whatever you wanted all night, and I'm calling Malala, so come with me. No, I'm not leaving just because you're doing the thing that you always do. What is that supposed to mean? Just, you, you talk a big game, and then you give up just when things get uncomfortable. Like, you jumped in the pool, and now you're sad that you're wet? Like, that's bullshit, no, Mal. That's if, bullshit. If I didn't drag you to do things, Amy, you just you wouldn't do that. You, you, you don't drag me. You, you force me to do whatever you want to do. And uh, I know it's a comedy, but, like, it's just one of these journey-type films where, you know, they're searching for the party. And um, from a story standpoint, like, those kind of... Uh, adventure stories if you will or misadventures it's it's a lot of fun a lot to play with but i think what olivia wilde did here was really turn the genre on its head yeah where instead of the the women being the object of desire in all these teen comedies and this one you know the women are the leads and everything is uh filtered through the female gaze instead of through the male gaze and yeah i thought it brought a, a lot of three-dimensionality to the characters i think yes. Ryan, you mentioned that and um just, I just love the the two characters, the you know the the relationship they had together, and uh, even the parents, they you know felt, um, 
Well, they felt a little, little shallow because only you only saw them for a little bit. But yeah. Regardless, okay. it's not the typical like you know, um, dad rooting for the son to get the girl. It's not like that. It's yeah. It's yeah. It's very different. Yeah, and I think and, the uh, parents kind of just offered that that comic relief, which I think was fine. You know, I, yeah, Lisa yeah. Kudrow it's played not about them all. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, was really fun. Absolutely. And uh, cool. LGBTQ lead, like that was great. I, yeah. I, she reminded me of so many of my other LGBTQ friends that, you know, um, uh-huh. during that period. So it, and a lot of the characters reminded me of a lot of folks that I've met, you know, in, in school and whatnot. So yeah, that, yeah. that scene, uh, very with, relatable. That scene with Caitlin Deaver and the other girl at the party, it was so uh, innocent and awkward. It, it was mm-hmm. just a really, really w- well shot scene and it was treated very well emotionally. Yes, I thought. yes. All right. We are coming down to the wire here. We are up to our number two picks. So, Will, why don't you go first? What's your number two pick? My number two of 2019 is Joker. Sucky's got a lot of problems. <laughs> All right, Bobby, let's show that clip one last time. <laughs> I hate school I think Warner Bros. have had a great, you know, um, run this year. And, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I my favorite superhero is Batman, and I love, you know, the, the world of Gotham. And, and for Joker, Todd Phillips, I think he did a phenomenal job with the origin story of the Joker. Um, even though I know you and I, uh, Myron have had our discussions about Joker not having an origin story and just being this, like this, this force of nature, force of nature. Yeah. yeah like anarchists <laughs> with, with just, that's just where this just came into being kind of thing. Right. But at the same time, like looking at the other side of, giving the joker an actual like to to be able to sympathize with him to kind of give that push and pull emotion like yeah he is you know gonna end up being a bad person but the way he gets there you're like oh you still have this you're sympathetic with him um joaquin phoenix i i you know you can't compare you can't compare his take on the joker to you know heath ledger as everyone kept talking about like oh no one could be uh, you know, a, a better Joker than Heath Ledger, but that's like no, that's not the point with this Joker. Like this, this you can't compare him. It's and a different Joker. It is a completely different Joker. A different and era of Joker too. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, I, I think that that they both played equally phenomenal, um, phenomenally in their performance. I think there's a saying where, you know. Um, Crime created Batman, but society created the Joker. And I thought that was amazing. Such an amazing quote to kind of get a glimpse of, you know, really where the Joker, how he became to be and how Batman became to be. So I love this take. I, I love the cinematography. Um, I, I love the editing, um, the performance. 
it, it was so gruesome and yet it, it, it yeah it, it just it just kept me like on the edge of my seat so mm. yeah. so good. and I, I think that it's it's a very relevant film today because with all these mass shootings and you know there's all these disturbed individuals with mental health issues maybe and you know it, it i think it captures the the public's imagination because joker is a villain that we all grew up with and to yeah. see the origin of how someone becomes a villain it's so relevant in today's society but would you say and, that it was coincidental though that that it became to be or do you think that like no someone i don't know if i was talking with you guys or someone else but someone told me that uh in, a, in an interview with todd phillips uh he's saying that he wanted to make this type of movie mm-hmm. but like he couldn't do that today it's like uh travis bickle in taxi driver right and so oh, yeah completely yeah yeah so he couldn't he couldn't make this for him to make a film at the, that level he couldn't do it unless it was like it had ip and what's crazy too actually there is an article on, I believe on IMDb that says that it's titled does Joker exist in a Scorsese verse of films mm. and the two photos that are juxtaposed is Joaquin's Phoenix and and uh, and Robert De Niro yeah taxi driver yeah, yeah. And, and they look like they're it's basically even the same era the sound outfit too like the same yeah button up and jacket like and it's it's eerie mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now I'm just like holy crap so yeah yeah so that was Will's number two pick Joker, Steve, what's your number two pick? My number two pick is The Farewell. Um, I don't need to give a synopsis because Myrene did a great job. Uh, I just thought it was like, you know, one of the most perfect movies of the year is one of the first movies I saw in 2019 um, at Sundance. And uh, I just remember watching it, not having much hope because I don't know why, but for some reason with Asian American films in particular, uh, it feels like it's overdeveloped, you know, and it comes from a perspective that is trying to reach a more um, American audience. And so a lot of times when I watch Asian American cinema, uh, it kind of falls apart for me, you know? But with uh, The Farewell, I was so pleasantly surprised about how um, she just stayed true to the story and the characters, and the message was very universal, and I felt like it had reached, you know, across the spectrum, across the world. And I just thought it was was just a tremendous film. So my number two film is Marriage Story, which was on Steve-O's list. the film offers a complex look at a couple going through a divorce. It's directed by, written directed by Noah Baumbach. It's both funny and heartbreaking. The characters here, they feel real and they're relatable. The dialogue from Noah Baumbach, which sometimes can feel a little bit too smart and ironic uh, for the characters and the scenes um, that he writes, it feels perfect here, um, in my opinion. And I think uh, it just comes out from what the characters are feeling. My, my work is here now. My family is here. And I agreed to put Henry in school here because your show went to series. I did that knowing that when you were done shooting, he would come back to New York. Honey, we never said that. That may have been your assumption, but we never expressly said that. We did say it. When did we say it? I don't know when we said it, but we said it. I thought, we said it at the time on the phone. Honey, let me finish. Sorry, I keep saying that. I thought that if... Henry was happy here, and my show continued that we might do LA for a while. I was not privy to that thought process. Oh, the only reason we didn't live here is because you can't imagine desires other than your own, unless they're forced on you. Okay, you wish you hadn't married me, you wish you had a different life, but this is what happened. The movie is smart and deep enough to draw different reactions from different viewers. My wife saw things that I didn't see, and she was right. Mm -hmm. She picked up on things before it was even mentioned later on in the movie. So I thought that was really interesting to be able to write something like that. 
Great job acting by both Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, but I think Adam is the real star here. Uh, the end is both poignant and um, sad, but also hopeful. It just reminds us that divorces are never clean. They're always messy. And that, uh, you know, oftentimes you have to deal with, you know, there's no such thing as a clean break. And the movie doesn't shy away from that. And it takes it and deals with it head on. And it shows that as people move on from traumatic events, they always leave a little bit of themselves behind. And that can be um, sad and heartbreaking, but it can also leave you with a lot of hope. And if you're able to recover and move on, that you'll be a stronger person and that, you know, at some point you'll be able to love again. So uh, Marriage Story is my number two pick. So uh, we're just about nearing the end of our episode here. Uh, We have one more pick on our top 10 list. And also uh, we have one more end of the year award to give out. And this is for breakthrough of the year. So uh, Steve, why don't you go and go first with your pick for breakthrough of the year? Sure. I think my my breakthrough is um, choice of the year is probably going to have to be uh, Lulu Wang, just directing, um, writing and directing. Uh, the Farewell. It's not her first film. She did another film before that. But I think that with this story, I just felt like it was one of the, one of the best films at Sundance, for sure, of, of this past year. But um, she just kind of came out of nowhere in the sense of the story was so well-crafted. It was so well-written. I mean, there's like scenes that were happening where I'm like, yes, this is a good scene. She absolutely needed this. And I'm tracking and I'm analyzing it as a writer, director, filmmaker. And uh, every choice that she made, I thought was like spot on. All right. Great choice. Um, Will, who is your choice for Breakthrough of the Year? My breakthrough of the year is, is uh, it, and it's two people together who wrote and directed it, is Tyler Nelson and Michael Schwartz of Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, I just thought that they did an amazing job with the writing, the story, and and the the just how honest the film felt, uh, and 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 just really giving such an a, a hopeful, emotional, like endearing um, film, like that 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 feel good film. Like they, I feel like they really captivated that very well, and I hope that um, they come out with more more great films like this. I think that they have a strong start right now. And uh, because we don't know what else they they have in upcoming, I'm just kind of rooting for the underdog. Who knows? They don't you know they don't have much to like. Not not much is about like talked about them. So I'm just rooting for the underdog, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Uh, my end of the year award for breakthrough of the year goes to Anna Darmus in Knives Out. Um, she's been in quite a few movies. She was in War Dogs, and that was directed by uh, Todd Phillips as well. And also Blade Runner 2049 is probably where most people have seen her. I have to admit, I wrote her off as just another pretty face. She's going to be in the next Bond film coming out, also with Daniel Craig. But honestly, she really did defy my expectations in Knives Out. I mean, this movie is packed with A-list stars, but she is the real star of the film. Her character Mm. is the main character. The movie is told from her perspective, and she also serves as the movie's conscience. And uh, Ryan Johnson obviously saw something in her that others didn't. For sure, I didn't see that uh, star quality in her. And she is just really, really effective, really great in this film. But honestly, I can't wait to really see her in a role that's going to stretch her. Um, so uh, she is my pick for Breakthrough of the Year, Anna de Armas. All right, we are down to the end of the line here. It's been a fun ride, gentlemen. It's now down to our number one picks of the year. So 
I'll, I'll let you guys decide. Who would like to go first? Who wants to talk about your movie of the year? I nominate Will. All right, Will. Best film of 2019. I have to give it to 1917. Now, I know it's not wide release until January 9th of 2020, but it was in select theaters uh, since December 25th, I believe. Holy crap. Sam Mendes. Like, I applaud to him because this freaking film, and I love war films, but the way this was shot... It was, it was mind-blowing. Is that our friends again? Looks like it. Dogfight. Who's winning? Us, I think. Two on one. They got him. It's such a simple story, but as war goes, it's a simple story, but so complicated because of war. The story is basically about two young British soldiers during the First World War. They are given an impossible mission to deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldiers' brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. Man, the journey was breathtaking it was momentous it was uh roger roger deacons using natural light outside for the majority and how they had to wait for certain lights to hit to keep the consistency of the shots and and i i can't i don't want to give too many spoilers away i don't want to give any spoilers away really but they made this film as a continuous seamless uh uh take Meaning, there are there are no hard cuts in this film. There are there's when, when three, there's, but yeah. Well, no, no, there 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 are three, but you don't yeah. see it. The only thing is like, oh man, like did you did you see it, Steve-O? I did, I did. Oh, uh, my, I'll, did, that, I'll neg that, later. I'll neg later. But I, please, okay, but the please uh, talk this film up. <laughs> the interest, the, the intro of the of, of the film, and and how it. It literally felt like a video game too, like a cinema, like how I films, agree with you on that. How films should be is like how video, like a video game cinematics <laughs> are made. Holy crap! Like I, it made me literally want to go play Modern Warfare, like because I bought Modern Warfare recently, and I'm like, I want to go play <laughs> COD now. It, it, it I, I, I literally was like, oh my gosh, when are they gonna cut? When are they gonna cut? And I looked over my girlfriend because watching with my girlfriend, and she's like, and I was, and I was telling her they have not cut yet. She says, I know. <laughs> it it was so amazing. It was so amazing. Um, I don't know. There's so much I want to say, but I can't because I I encourage you so much to watch it. And Stevo, please chime in. <laughs> <laughs> Marion, have you seen it yet? No, this is that movie where if I just had like two more days uh, yeah, before yeah. we recorded, I would have seen it, but I have not had a chance yet. Oh yeah. my gosh. Definitely worth a watch. I think it is definitely a beautiful film. There's that scene with the flares I thought was really pretty. Oh my gosh, really yes. Really cool, right? But, uh, so, but I'm going to uh, start negging. The okay, here's the butt. <laughs> uh, the main reason that uh, it didn't make my list at all was because it 
to your point of like it felt like a video game, I totally agree with you. And yeah. like in the best way that a video game can. Yeah. You know? But I think to me it felt like a walking simulator a lot of the times. Mm. And I felt like because you know, I'm watching these movies, it's hard for me to not watch it as like a filmmaker. And there's a lot of choices that I feel like are sacrificed for the sake of the one shot. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple moments where we're like, please just cut or just get to the, the next objectives quicker, you know? Mm. Um, but I think the major issues I had with it were logic issues. Uh, there were moments where like, you know, he's running down a boulevard and there's soldiers behind him shooting at him and there's no way they can not miss him. And uh, I felt like um, the dialogue, you could tell that, you know, because of the limitations of the, the one take, they just had to go with the best take that they can get. And I felt like that really suffered a little bit. Like, mm. to me, it pulled me out because I was seeing the hand of the director too much. But that mm. being said, I think I'm in the minority. I think majority of people absolutely love the film. All right, then, Steve-O, uh, with that, what is your, then, number one pick? Uh, my number one pick is the opposite of 1917. Not a war movie, but uh, Little Women by oh. Greta Gerwig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is my, I think, is the best film of the year. I've always known I would marry Rich. Why should I be ashamed of that? There's nothing to be ashamed of, as long as you love him. Well, I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. Well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And as a woman, there's no way for me to make my own money. Not enough to earn a living or to support my family. And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. They would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. It may not be for you, but it most certainly is for me. I just love Greta as a filmmaker. Um, I think she's the reason why Frances Ha worked. Uh, she actually undid all the Noah Baumbachisms and just kind of improv and made it work. And in this one, um, you could see her crafting as a writer and uh, her experience as, a, as an actor to direct her, her talent. And uh, the ensemble of, of you know, um, all the actors, the way that she made it feel so um, realistic, in my opinion. You know, uh, I think with um, period pieces, it's really easy to fall into the whole, you know, Victorian era type of stiffness, you know? And, uh, but with this, with this one, like the, the warmth and earnestness of womanhood, I feel like is celebrated here. And uh, I can honestly say that no man could have directed this with like the precision and grace that Greta did. I feel like a lot of her choices as a filmmaker came from the perspective of a woman that understood the source material and that only you know, a female director could tell the story the, the way that she did. And um, I, I just, it makes me want to see like all these Jane Austen reboots with um, female directors as well. Because I think there's a lot that male directors are just missing just because we're not women. And uh, I just love the, the messages of feminism, you know, that um, is almost like a, a happier take of Handmaid's Tale. Hmm. You know, because back then women were not allowed to vote. They, were, they did not have uh, the right to own property. Their husbands had to own it, you know. And yet despite that, she spun it with like positivity and hope. Hmm. And I, I just really love the movie overall. Highly Great. recommend it. Nice. Yeah. I'm actually like, I do want to see that film too, actually. Yeah. 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 I'll watch anything that Saoirse Ronan is in. So I'll definitely be checking this one out as well. She did a really good job on this. And so did uh, Timothy. Uh, what's his name? Timothy Chalamet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch he, anything uh, he's I think, in too. I think he, he felt more like 
what's the word I'm trying to say? It, it felt like he, no, he uh, filled in the shoes of that character a lot better than I would have assumed. Oh. You know, it's a very different character from the other characters he's played. Yeah, that's my number one. And number one, last but not least, Myron. All right. My number one pick is a movie that we've already discussed quite a bit in this two-part series. Uh, my number one film is Us, written, nice. directed by Jordan Whoa. Peele. And the reason I picked it is I have never seen anything like this before. It starts off with a unique and provocative premise. It's a survival story about a family that's terrorized by dark, sadistic versions of themselves. And I think this film has a lot to say about society and the human condition as a whole. I would say it has less to do with race than Get Out, for sure. And it has a lot more to do with uh, nature versus nurture and the battle with duality that we often have with ourselves. I mean, it's shot so beautifully by Mike Giolakis. Did I get that right? We call him Mike G. (laughs) Mike G, yeah. Whom apparently Steve-O almost ran over with the car. So apparently (laughs) it's a thing now. If you want to make it big in Hollywood, Steve-O just needs to almost run you over with the car. (laughs) But... um, Yeah, so if you think about like cinematography, you think about using light and shadow. And if you think about what this movie is, this movie is light and shadow. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he did such an amazing job. Um, yeah. And then of course the end climactic battle between Lupita Nyong'o's Adelaide and her tether named Red. It's just straight fire. Like the, the scene is amazing. <laughs> the orchestra kicks in with five on it and it incorporates ballet with a violent fight all at the same time. There's also another side, which I really appreciate it. It offers a very unique look at modern family dynamics with Lupita's Adelaide as the head of the family in this case, and her husband, Gabe, played by Winston Duke. He's like the all-too-friendly domesticated father. Um, He's a physically formidable figure. He's big, he's tall, he's very well built, but it seems as though he just kind of took a backseat to his wife to kind of just kind of, you know, make things easier on the family. The movie is very beautiful. It's violent. It's profound. So many themes to pull from. Um, and none of it is too heavy handed. He lets you decide uh, what the movie is about. And that is why it is my favorite film of the year. All right. So that is our journey through our top 10 films of the year. Thank you to Will and Steve-O. Real quick, uh, just wanted to ask, and if you don't have a, a response to this, it's fine. Are there any honorable mentions that didn't make your list that you wanted to bring up very quickly? First, you, Will. Uh, the honorable mentions, I have three, which uh, are The King, Ad Astra, and Marriage Story. Those hmm. are my three honorable mentions. Great. How about you, Steve-O? Any movies that you really liked that just didn't quite make the list that you want to mention? This is tricky. I see like performances like uh, Renee Zellweger and Judy. I hmm. thought she did a pretty good job there. Like, There's um, a lovely scene at the end where uh, she can't finish singing um, uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and then the audience finishes a four. It was a lovely moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, for me, three films that just fell outside of my top 10 was Shazam, which was on your top 10 list. Will also hustlers, which we talked about a little Mm -hmm. bit earlier with Jennifer Lopez and also the film rocket man, which starred Taron Edgerton. He thought he did a really good job in that. Yeah. So 2020 (laughs) is here fellas. So happy new year to you both. Happy new year to all of our listeners. Happy new year to you, Myron. Happy new year to you. Happy new year. (laughs) So here's hoping all of you have a great year. 
Uh, I hope you all stay healthy and hope you all stay safe. Will and I will be back next week with a review of the film Six Underground, directed by Michael Bay. And then we're going to go ahead and take a deeper look into this polarizing director's film career. So that one should be really, really fun. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you all next week. Take care. Peace.